The first few players to opt out of the 2020 season have made their intentions known, and we'll look at a couple of 2019 ERA underachievers. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but, not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, June 30th. I am Al Melkier. I am here with Michael Beller. And uh, Michael, we knew that players were going to be opting out. I'm not so sure that I was expecting that uh, we were going to find out about it this uh, this soon into the process. But here we are. Uh, we do have, uh, as of this recording uh, on Monday, we know of three players uh, who have uh, determined that they're going to opt out of the 2020 season. Mike Leake was the first announcement that came through. And then a, a pair of nationals, uh, Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman. And uh, Michael, before we get into that, I just want to preface this by saying that um, I, I have some misgivings about doing fantasy analysis on this, partly just because of the gravity of the situation, but also just because, uh, you know, if, if we've got these three players opting out at this stage, I imagine that there's there's a lot more to come. So it's sort of hard to know what, uh, you know, the contours uh, of of uh, these rosters and the fancy landscape is actually going to look like. Yeah, you're totally right. There's definitely going to be more of this and uh, you know, we got to we got to do the jobs. I think that we have uh over the few months that we've been doing this show together, I hope that we've showed the listeners that we are uh, compassionate uh, uh, empathetic people. So hopefully uh, you all understand out there that we know there are much bigger things than Ryan Zimmerman deciding not to play a baseball season. We understand why he doesn't want to play this season. And going from that point forward, we can then analyze the uh, fantasy baseball fallout of that decision. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do the best that we can with this. Uh, but let's start with uh, Mike Leake because uh, that at least for for a, a maybe a brief moment here, maybe longer, uh, pr- presents a little bit more clarity maybe on the Diamondbacks rotation. Um, I, I've made no secret of it on this show that um, you know I've I've like Merrill Kelly. This is not the way I wanted to see Merrill Kelly get an opportunity, um, but uh, you know he certainly does become somebody that uh, I'm, I'm more interested in, in looking in at, fat, at fantasy drafts. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, he is now someone who is drafted, what do you think, across the board? You think there's, I mean, maybe shallower leagues aren't going to see Merrill Kelly get drafted, but I think in a lot of competitive formats, you're going to see Merrill Kelly come off the board as a late-round guy. Uh, For all the reasons that you were talking about, Al, I mean, kudos to you. As you said, not the reason why you wanted to see him get an opportunity, but now that he is getting that opportunity, uh, you uh, pegged him months ago as a guy who could eventually play his way into this rotation and who, if he did, would be worth uh, targeting. So definitely one that we're going to feel in the fantasy world right away. Uh, Merrill Kelly, to me, definitely worth uh, one of those late-round grabs if you're not redrafting your league and you're going to be setting up some sort of fab process. He's a guy who I would be going after, uh, even if I felt pretty good about my pitching staff, because there's clearly some upside here uh, tied to Merrill Kelly uh, joining this Diamondbacks rotation. If I'm going to put the brakes on this, uh, and again, me as the one who has you know already uh, in drafts targeted Merrill Kelly, it's that the Diamondbacks have pretty good pitching depth, so mm-hmm. he's not necessarily the beneficiary. Um, you know, Alex Young is somebody who really fared well, uh, and I think surprised a lot of people in 2019. So I'll certainly keep an eye on uh, how things develop 
during this. Uh, I don't know what to call it. I don't like. I'm with John Heyman on this one. He tweeted on Monday that he didn't like this uh, summer camp uh, moniker mm-hmm. that MLB is putting on on this uh, spring training or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know what to call it, but yeah. whatever we we call training it, camp. Uh, I, will I think my... training camp works. NFL calls their summer. Yeah. Uh, their summer practice schedule training camp. This is a summer practice schedule. I think training camp works. It's got the spring training tie-in also. So I'm gonna I'm going with training camp. All right, I, I like it. So I'll, I'll adopt it as well. Right, uh, so I'll watch I'll watch the training camp developments here on the uh, Mar- or, I'm sorry the Diamondbacks rotation. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've got uh, Mike Leak also. Or wait, I'm sorry, we we just talked about Mike Leak. We've got a couple of. Nationals, uh, Joe Ross, and a similar situation there where uh, I think a lot of people maybe were looking to speculate on, um, you know, some some others uh, in that Nationals rotation. And uh, you've got uh, now also that first base situation, which was sort of a logjam. That's opening up. So with uh, Ryan Zimmerman and Joe Ross both uh, opting out, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, the first base situation now becomes really interesting to me. This Nationals team had put together this sort of odd infield construction other than Trey Turner uh, in that uh, there were all these parts that you look at him and you're like, "Uh, these guys are kind of all old and like none of them really seem like they command a everyday job. But then you you look at it more and it's like, yeah, they're kind of all old, but it's sort of interesting with Starlin Castro and Zimmerman, he was part of it, Eric Thames, Howie Kendrick. And the one thing that came around was, yeah, they're going to get Carter Keboom in there. They're going to try to get Carter Keboom in there. So as well as these guys have played in recent years, there's not really an everyday job for them in the Nationals lineup. So maybe there's not an everyday job for them or a good job for them in the fantasy world. But you take Zimmerman out of the mix, you add the DH to the mix, and now all those guys to me become a whole lot more interesting. Obviously, I think Howie Kendrick's probably the biggest beneficiary. Eric Thames was probably going to get to start against right-handed pitching anyways, and certainly with the DH, uh, they would have found at-bats for him be at first or at the DH spot against right-handed pitching. But now, Howie Kendrick was going to have to you know, fight Carter Keboom, who's on the ascent. He's going to have to maybe fight uh, Starling Castro for ABs at second base. And really, the glove for Howie Kendrick at this point of his career doesn't really play anywhere other than first base. So now you open up uh, that side of the platoon uh, for him to slot in at the first base position, and he becomes very interesting. And it is easy to forget, Al, that Howie Kendrick You know, it wasn't just the NLCS where he shined for this team last year. 344, 395, a 572 slugging percentage, 17 homers and 370 trips to the plate. I mean, he really hit the ball well last year. And now that he has a clearer path to playing time, I think he becomes a lot more interesting in fantasy leagues. I like him. I like Thames. To be honest, I like Starling Castro. It's an old infield, but it is a very intriguing infield in Washington. Yeah, no, it's very intriguing. And, uh, you know, I certainly like uh, the idea of Kendrick playing more and again not for the reason but um you know he do- he certainly does have a lot more appeal at this point and the rotation situation's interesting too now i just would have sort of automatically assumed that the nationals with a, a vacancy in the the fifth starter spot would just insert austin both in there on the um the roster resource page which again you know um jason martinez and and the folks there they uh, you know, they take their best guesses at these things and they do an outstanding job. Eric Fetty is listed now as the SP5 for the Nationals. So maybe it's not necessarily uh, just an automatic assumption, but I, I do think that between Fetty and both, that both would be the one to 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 target uh, the, the, the most strongly. 
I agree with you. And this also does seem like a situation where we're going to have a lot of piggybacking happening. We know it's going to happen across the league. A lot of teams, some are going to be easier to spot than others. And this just feels like one where the nationals aren't going to necessarily force one of those guys or force is the wrong word, but they're not going to peg one of those guys as the for sure number five starter. He's going to try to give us six innings every single time out. It feels like a situation where it's almost the reverse, where these guys are treated as and maybe it's a piggyback, maybe it's a platoon, maybe you know one guy gets to you know take uh, maybe they go six man uh, every so often. It just feels like both these guys have an increase in value, and we're just going to have to see where the chips fall over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think that that advice is going to apply to you know probably any kind of analysis we do mm-hmm. at this part for all sorts of reasons. So um, now taking a, 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 just a break away from news to react to, I noticed something kind of interesting in response to something I saw on Twitter. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, but did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus, and it does not have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors and no artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, just go to drinkhydrant.com baseball. That's drinkhydrant.com baseball for 25% off of your first order. All right, Michael. So here's uh, something I, I came across on Twitter in the last day or so that I, I did a double take and I, I feel a little silly, to be honest. <laughs> so there was a, a tweet from uh, Justin Choi uh, from Prospects 365. And I, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was talking about how some of us use XWOBA as a, a predictive measure, you know, basically comparing XWOBA to uh, a pitcher's WOBA allowed and, you know, looking for pitchers that may regress one direction or another. And he was basically recommending against that and saying it's not, it's it's predictive, but not as predictive as some other measures, including FIP. Now, I, I don't know about you, Michael. I'm kind of interested in, oh, I'm very interested in your take on this. I sort of disregard FIP because I, I feel like it, it was a an early stab at, finding an ERA estimator that might be more predictive, but, you know, in looking at strikeouts, walks, and home runs, I just feel like it, it ignores a lot of things. And I, so I just did my own research to see exactly how well FIP correlates with the ERA. I will get to that in a moment, but how, how have you looked at FIP? I like it because of the fact that it focuses on uh, strikeouts, uh, walks, and homers. I think that you know nothing's going to be perfect, right? I mean, there's no matter what measure we create, it's never going to be a perfect picture of picture of what a pitcher is. <laughs> but I think that FIP does a good job of isolating three things that we know pitchers do have a pretty good deal of control over, and that being strikeouts, walks, and homers. So I've always liked it. I've always thought it was a, a good part of the picture, and maybe this is going to uh, emphasize that. Yeah, well, and you know, I I owe FIP an apology because uh, <laughs> I, will I mean, I took on behalf of the I took, on behalf I, of the FIP committee. I, I, I accept. 
<laughs> I feel better now. Uh, and, and I mean, when I read that, I, I figured, okay, Justin knows what he's talking about here, but I, I still had to do, I had to see it for myself. So I just did something real simple. I took the ERAs and FIPS for all uh, qualified starters from the last five seasons and regressed them. And very, very strong correlation there. An R of 0.75, which is, you know, I, with a lot of things that I run, I never see anything even close to a 0.75. And it's, you know, significant at the 0.00001, you know, something like that. I mean, very, very strong correlation. And so I thought, okay, well, I, I need to be taking FIP a little bit more seriously going forward. And in that vein, I went and looked at just the pitchers from 2019 and thought, well, okay, who were the biggest ERA underachievers? Um, and, and specifically looking at those who had a FIP below four. So, you know, it's not great shakes if somebody has, you know, uh, a six ERA, but a five FIP. I mean, uh, but right. there were two pitchers, uh, two pitchers that really stood out that had sub four FIPs, but uh, ERA is well over four. And they were Jose Quintana and Joe Musgrove. And I made a comparison on a recent episode. Uh, I think it was with DVR, Michael, that... Um, Joe Musgrove really has very similar ratios to Zach Granke. His biggest disadvantage just comes with innings and that disadvantage shrinks in the 60 game season. So if Musgrove is, is Granke light is Quintana Granke just a little bit lighter than <laughs> Granke light and Granke lightest. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know, the, the thing that interests me about Joe Musgrove is that it, you know his his stuff feels as though it should lead to more strikeouts than it has in his career, and I, I still want to bet on that. I mean, we're still talking about a guy who hasn't even accumulated 500 career innings. I know that the the stats tend to stabilize before that, but uh, the stuff and the strikeout rates don't always necessarily seem to match up for him. So he's the sort of guy I want to bet on. You love the fact that the walks are always going to be low. I think that's bettable at this point from him. Jose Quintana uh, just smacks of a guy who is a better real-life pitcher than he is a fantasy pitcher at this stage of his career, and I think that uh, the the FIP outperforming the ERA could redound to the Cubs' benefit this season, you know, but the strikeouts are, 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 regret, are going in the wrong direction, and they have been for a couple of years now. Uh, the walks have uh, not been the greatest. Uh, last year, he got it a little bit more under control his first year with the Cubs. That was relatively ugly. He does get the benefit uh, that a lot of pitchers in the Central are going to get this year. It seems on paper that that's going to be the softest hitting division. And the NL Central gets to add the Tigers and the Royals to their schedule. So that was someone who Jose Quintana was not going to see at all uh, this year. Joe Musgrove gets that as well. So I like Musgrove a little bit better here than Quintana. And I think that he's someone who is definitely worth betting on this year. All right, and uh, just for context here, Musgrove's ADP on Fantasy Pros is 208, Quintana's is 272. So particularly in the case with Quintana, you could easily take a late-round flyer on him in a 12-teamer uh, and you know not have to really sweat somebody beating you to it. Musgrove, though, I still like the value, and I think DVR and I agreed, agreed on this uh, on that recent episode that we, we love that value for Joe Musgrove at uh, 208. And uh, just one last thing here before we sign off. Of course, we've got our featured read of the day. And this one coincides with the 100th anniversary of the creation of the Negro National League. Um, so uh, a lot was you know, discussed in regard to that on, on social media. And also on The Athletic, we had a terrific piece from Alex Coffey. A's coach Marcus Jensen treasures his grandfather's Negro League memories. So do uh, check that out. Uh, Alex always does great stuff. This is absolutely no exception. So Michael, as always, thank you. And for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be back here on Wednesday. <laughs>